0: Hey, hey, guys, it's Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for checking out the Unpacking It podcast today. I recorded this podcast and ended up talking about coaches and and certain coaches that that maybe shouldn't continue to be coaching. And sure enough, I finished recording this episode and Bill O'Brien gets fired from the Texans. And so as you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me talk about him and talk about the Texans and it, it all comes together. So Uh, enjoy here's the open and we'll jump right in welcome to the weekly nfl reaction show podcast a show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's nfl action we will share our opinions on the nfl but more importantly we want to encourage you in your faith together we'll unpack football faith and life now from his mic to your ears Here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. I had a blast. Spent some time uh, picking up some pumpkins with uh, little Maddie and and went on a little hayride and and my wife and some neighbors and and had a blast. And then being able to, to spend Sunday watching some great, football it was an awesome weekend so I hope you enjoyed it as well today on the show I want to talk about head coaches in the NFL and I want to talk about how with quarterbacks we make preconceived ideas or immediate decisions whether or not we think a quarterback can play and and how similarly This plays out with head coaches and and the the way that personalities factor into all that. So we're going to unpack that topic a little bit today, hopefully have some fun with that. And then at the end of the show, we'll do unpack this about the amount of scoring we are seeing in the NFL and how this relates to living the abundant life. And so that will hopefully be encouraging to all of us. In just a little bit. Before that, let me ask you this Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Also, coming up on October 19th, we have the Unpacking It Golf Tournament here in Charlotte. And if you are in Charlotte and you want to be a part of the tournament, that day, you can email me, Bryce, at UnpackingIt.com. But for everyone listening today, would love for you to support the event, the the, the Unpacking It Ministries, this podcast, all of it. And you can go to UnpackingIt.com slash golf to find out how you can donate. You can be a fairway friend and sponsor a sign, even as an individual. And and so would love to have your support as, as this, t- this this month, this time of year, is our big fundraising time so that we can continue and and do this for another year so so we want to keep growing this ministry growing this podcast and and we need your help to be able to do that so greatly appreciate you checking out unpackingit.com slash golf uh specifically for ways to get involved with that so a couple of the, the headlines from sunday first up I, I gotta give some love to tom brady five touchdowns. To five different wide receivers, he's the oldest player in NFL history to throw five touchdown passes in a game. I think Warren Moon at forty uh, is is next, and and so Brady being forty three, it's unbelievable what he's doing. The fact that he's out there, the fact that he wants to still play is is fascinating to me. What what continues to to drive him? Is it truly showing that, that he can do this outside of New England without Bill Belichick? Is that what, what keeps him going? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't even know if he knows necessarily. But there, there's something in him that motivates him to get out there week after week. I mean, if, if you think about it, too, he's barely been injured. Other than that one season that Matt Castle played, he's hardly missed any time due to injury other than the, the deflated balls that he, he missed a few, few weeks for. Uh, which is still absurd. I mean, think about that for a moment. Oh, my goodness. But he's out there with a new team, with new weapons. Chris Godwin's out, and and Brady just keeps it going. He he makes Scotty Miller into a stud. And, and I mean, it's just, I, I can't get over it. And at the same time, so I I give him love first. I'm not hopping on the Bucks bandwagon. I, I still think they have a ways to go as far as them being a Super Bowl contender. I, I'm just not there yet. Think about it. They were down seventeen points to Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Now I like the Chargers; they're my fantasy team in the the, the fantasy football fellowship thirty two league. And Herbert has been great in two games. Surprisingly, the idea that the Bucks had to come back after being down to the Chargers is not a good sign. I know they won, they just haven't proven to me they're the elite team yet, and, and they haven't had a chance to because they haven't played anybody yet. They beat they or they lost to the Saints, and then. They beat the Panthers, Broncos, and Chargers. So, I'm not sold yet. And I think it's fair. I think it's fair. So, we give love to Tom Brady, but let's see what they do against some of the better teams and some of the better defenses that get to Tom Brady and, you know, can will they rough him up a little bit? And then how does he handle it? How does a 43-year-old handle that? I don't think we've seen that enough just yet. Um, he, he's... He has looked bad at times too, so uh, let's not overlook that either. Uh, but it, but it's just it, the whole story is fascinating with Brady uh, being down there in Tampa Bay. So week four, all right. We, we've seen a few games. I, I think we, let's see more. Let's see what let's see what else as far as talking about them going all the way or being being able to play at home for the Super Bowl because the, the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year. All right. The other big story from yesterday. Uh, I'm recording this on a Monday. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys fall to the Cleveland Browns. And there's a lot to to consider with this game. And on the the positive side for Cleveland, I do think that Kevin Stefanski is the right head coach. Just already through four games, it seems that his demeanor, his philosophy, what he's trying to do is working. And and I could feel pretty confident about that. And so we'll talk more about coaches in a little bit. But but I think their approach to, all right, let's run the ball. Let's not ask Baker Mayfield to do a ton, but let's utilize the, the skill players that we have. And this all seems so obvious. It's like, duh. But Cleveland hasn't been doing this. They put so much on Baker uh, the last couple of years, and it's like, come on, what are you doing? And it just wasn't working. So now they're really relying on Hunt. Now Chubb is out, which changes it. It changes the the player because Chubb's out and they'll have to use backup running backs, but those backup running backs looked okay even on, on Sunday. But part of that was Dallas' defense is so bad. And so we'll get to that in a moment. But I just I, I like the direction that Cleveland is heading. They're not getting overhyped just yet either. Because I think a lot of the the talk is, oh, Dallas blew it, Dallas lost the game. And and Cleveland hasn't picked up that hype and that momentum just yet. Because I'm not sure that they did so well with that, you know, a couple years ago when they did get that hype, uh, especially going into last season, and then things just unraveled, and it was pretty clear that that Freddie Kitchens wasn't the answer for Cleveland, and they were just in disarray. Whereas I feel like Cleveland, they're just a little bit more put together, and and, and things are starting to to make sense. And it's like, okay, why did they bring in Austin Hooper? And then it took them a couple weeks to use them. Oh, okay. Now we see he is a weapon. They are going to find a way to use him, maybe not every game because they they do have a lot of weapons. Oh, they've got O b j okay, maybe we'll throw to him, but we don't have to. We can hand off to him and so they did <laughs> so they're they're utilizing the skilled players, and I think as the confidence grows and Baker Mayfield is forced to to be relied on let's give him a chance let's give him a chance. Let's see what he can do so. All right, nice, nice win for the Browns. Now for the Cowboys. Hey, can we please run the ball? One, I've got Ezekiel in fantasy, so I'm selfish in that regard, but I, I do believe the Cowboys are better if they run the ball. And so they put a lot on Dak, and the reality is he's unbelievable. He's leading the league in passing yards, and he's playing out of his mind. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, 102 QB rating. So he's not the problem. The, the problem is you're – you know, putting too much on him in that passing game, basically because the defense uh, isn't stopping anyone, so they have to score a ton of points. It's just he's taking some of the the unnecessary blame, I guess. And, and so it is all about the defense. They got to keep these games closer and not giving up so much. I was thinking about this yesterday watching the game, and I mentioned it to to my buddy, I, I still don't get why Dallas hasn't committed to Dak Prescott or, or why he hasn't committed. Why why the two of them haven't. Come together for this long term deal i can't get over what a big conversation that was all off season when it makes total sense for them to uh, to just commit to him. and I think that would even change some of the demeanor like like you just got I, I, to commit it's like hanging over their heads a little bit and it's so unnecessary. the guy can play you're the cowboys, you need a quarterback where who are you going to get this better? nobody so sign him and let's move on from that and so I think that's maybe Part of the issue, just a a small factor, and then Mike McCarthy. Again, I'm gonna talk about coaches in, more in a moment, but I, I I don't know if he was the answer. It's just it's like he's always confused, and he just doesn't seem to have the command that you need. because even in Green Bay, they were losing. It's like why are why are the Packers losing? They got Aaron Rodgers, they got so much talent. Why are they losing? And now we're seeing there's a change with, with coaching. And I was listening to Colin Cowherd talk about this. Aaron Rodgers is playing well. The Packers are playing great, and they moved on from McCarthy. And, and so I, they've got a lot to prove in Dallas. We know the talent is there. The offense is awesome, and the offense is doing great. But run the ball a little bit more. Work the clock. It's not complicated. Sometimes, if we're fans watching at home, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. But and why are you taking him off the uh, Ezekiel Ezekiel off the field? I like Tony Pollard. He's a nice player, and it's fine. You give him a break here and there. But there there were key times. I'm like, where is Zeke? What is he doing? So that was an issue as well. (laughs) And the other two games that, that I want to talk about today, the Colts and Bears ended up being such a letdown. And if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm all in on Nick Foles. I was thrilled for him last week with the comeback win. And I'm not jumping off the Foles bandwagon. I still think it was the right decision. I think Trubisky needs a fresh start somewhere else with less pressure. There is talent somewhere hidden in there, but I think it would take just another situation to pull that out of him, almost like a Ryan Tannehill potentially. I'm not, like, I'm not totally sold that Trubisky is, is going to be a, a great quarterback, but I, but I think it's worth giving him another shot, I, I would say that, but not in Chicago. I, I, just, I, I think that, that bridge has been burned at this point. So they, they need to roll it out with, with Nick Foles. But with this game, it just wasn't a thrilling game. It was pretty low scoring, especially considering all the other games with, with so much scoring going on on Sunday, uh, which, again, we'll talk about in a little bit. But the, the, the Colts' defense is legit. So they are tough. They made it challenging for the Bears. And I think that's, that's what you lean on as takeaways from this game. And the, the Colts' offense... It's not great. T.Y. Hilton isn't playing very well. They lost Paris Campbell. They actually have three tight ends that are weapons, which is nice. And, and they do have Jonathan Taylor and, and Naheem Hines coming out of the backfield. They use Wilkins a lot, which I, I was confused by. But I like the Colts, and I still think they are in contention. But they're not going to light it up. They're not going to blow people out. And they're still working through some kinks. But that defense is solid, and they're the ones that that really shut down Chicago. So I wouldn't overreact with the loss for the Bears and, and with Foles not doing a ton. Finally got Robinson, Allen Robinson, at the end of the game. Probably could have happened a little sooner. Uh, but again, the defense for the Colts. So look out for the Colts moving forward. Uh, to me, they are the team to beat in the AFC South. I know the Titans are right there, but, but I, I think the Colts have an edge on them. I really do. The other big game, the Eagles last night. Are you kidding me? beating the 49ers the quarterback play for the 49ers was part of the issue the fact that the eagles traveled to san francisco with the dark cloud hanging over them all the negativity it's tough to play in philly i've got family up there my dad grew up there i know what those fans are like and my neighbors an eagles fan it's hard so for carson wins to carry that that weight and the pressure and the 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 fans, and the the fact that they won the Super Bowl, all that. We talked about it on last week's show. But all of that, and then to say, all right, I'm going to go play well enough to beat San Francisco, even though they're banged up. Well, both teams were banged up, so I guess you could throw that out the window. But he played well enough. He wasn't unbelievable. It gave the Eagles a glimmer of hope, and you hope that some of that that positivity there, some of the buy-in with Wentz, uh, allows him to play with more ease. To not be so indecisive. And, and quarterbacks, they they have to have that buy-in. With like Trubisky, he had Nick Foles breathing down his neck. It's hard to play that way. And and then uh with with Prescott, give him the contract. He's got that hanging over his head. And, and with Wentz, he he always had Nick Foles. Well, he'll always have kind of the ghost of Nick Foles there in Philly because he's the one that won the Super Bowl. So it's just it's a tough situation. But I think getting a win, recognizing that the NFC East, it's really between them and the Cowboys. The Giants and the Redskins are irrelevant. They're not good. There's no hope for those two teams. I'm sorry, but it's just not, not going to happen. And so Dallas, there's, there's still a chance, of course, that they've, they click and they could win a bunch of games in a row if they figure some semblance of a defense. And then the Eagles, if they can get some healthy weapons out there and, and some of these young wide receivers, if they emerge and – take a next step then sure yeah the Eagles can win that division and and see what happens but uh, they, they used Jalen Hurts yesterday and he looked pretty good out there uh, but he missed the one snap which was which was tough but I always wonder about bringing in a guy like that and it ru- ruins the rhythm a little bit especially as you're trying to establish Wentz now with with New Orleans you bring in Taysom Hill and eh, does it mess things up eh, I don't think so I think the threat of him is better for New Orleans and there's no you know I guess there's a little question with Drew Brees just because of his age, but we, we know who Drew Brees is and all that, whereas with Philly and Wentz, there's still so many question marks with him. So I'm not sure if playing Jalen Hurts is the best answer, but he at least provided uh, another weapon, and, and they're short on weapons. So I guess from that perspective, uh, it's, a, it's a smart move to at least give it a try. But putting Wentz out at wide receiver, I'm not sure what that's going to do. I guess if you think he's going to catch like Foles did years ago, right? So uh, so those are the games that were most intriguing to me. But the, the topic that, that we'll spend a few minutes talking about today is the way that we are as fans. And so here we go on a Monday, and I'm guilty of this, you're guilty of this. We we overreact. We we draw conclusions. And, and I think so often we do this based on our preconceived ideas or the opinions that we cling to, and we have such a tough time moving past how we've already made up our mind on certain players and certain coaches. And, and I do think that some situations are so obvious that we as fans, we all agree, and it's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Why does the team continue to go down this path? And so, for, for example... Matt Patricia in Detroit. It's just not gonna work. It's just not it's not happening. I, I don't I don't see him ever turning things around there. They have pieces, but they just can't figure things out. And and ultimately it's Detroit. And I don't know who, who's gonna come in there to, to ever be able to figure it out. But they're just gonna have to keep trying. And in many ways, programs or franchises like that that they, they, they take for granted when they actually do find a, a coach that is overachieving for that franchise so a couple of names that come to mind jack del rio in jacksonville why they got rid of him years ago is beyond me and then with detroit jim caldwell why did they get rid of him and chicago why did they get rid of lovey smith those those coaches proved that that they can make the most of those franchise. chicago's a little better of a franchise than jacksonville and detroit but 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 a, but a similar situation um, and in many ways, Cincinnati actually understood it. They realized that that they had a good coach in Marvin Lewis, and so they hung on to him year after year. Now, some could debate that, oh, they should have made a change, but actually, he he made the most of his time in Cincinnati because many years they were at least competitive. They did make the playoffs. They didn't get out of the first round, and, and that was part of the concern, but it wasn't like he was playing with all-pro Quarterbacks, or other than AJ, or coaching, other than AJ Green, um, you know a few players here and there, but those teams weren't loaded with with talent yet. Marvin Lewis always hung on and did a nice job. It's just interesting some of those 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 franchises at 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 the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. I just don't know what they're doing. So with Detroit, I yeah, it's just not going to work, and it's obvious. So we can like see it. We can see it with Matt Patricia. It's clear. But then when it comes to just kind of our, our preconceived ideas on, on certain people and, and, and players, I, I think with somebody like John Gruden, who everybody loved from Monday Night Football, we think back, he's got a good personality. We think back to what he did at Tampa Bay and he won a Super Bowl. The guy's overrated. He, he may not be a great coach. And I'm not sure it's going to work with the Vegas Raiders his overall record at this point including the two and two season this year 108 in 104 and the Raiders are a team that they've got higher expectations they've got a long history and tradition and 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 John Gruden because of him being a big name the big contract that he signed they're underachieving it's year number three for them but to me they've got to show a little bit more of, of glimpses of a elite success but I just don't hear John Gruden getting criticized very much not that I'm out to get people's job it's not it's just this is football it's not personal it's just we're just talking football but with the Raiders it's like what's going on with John Gruden and then there's another situation for fans where we actually realize certain coaches just aren't that good and we can never understand why owners hang on to a certain coach so there, are, there are multiple opinions going on here that I'm throwing out there and I'm just unpacking it all. So I'm trying to, to gather what goes on with an NFL head coach. And so the other angle is a guy like Bill O'Brien. Our idea is, well, Houston has won a lot of games. like They're always in the playoffs, right? They always seem to win their division, or they're a wild card team, and they seem to find a way to get in. But then, if you play fantasy football, you know that Bill O'Brien is a frustrating head coach because his offensive players oftentimes underachieve he doesn't always uh, do what you think he should do with the running attack. Uh, they don't protect Deshaun Watson, which is just baffling. And, and, and Bill O'Brien traded away DeAndre Hopkins, which doesn't make a lot, of a, se- a lot of sense. Yet, he continues to be there. He continues, it appears, to have job security. But his record, 52-48. and 48. So, on one end, you could say, oh, well, you could fall into the, the, my Cincinnati Bengals example. Okay, Bill O'Brien. Well, hey, it, do you really expect Houston to win Super Bowls? All right, maybe not. But I think all of us as fans, we go, this Bill O'Brien, just his personality, some of the, the, the big moves that he's made, the the obvious reality that they don't protect Deshaun Watson enough. Uh, it's like, man, is he really the answer in Houston? It, does he fall into the category of somebody like Jeff Fisher, who just continued to hang on and, and never really – uh, accomplished what he needed to accomplish as far as winning a Super Bowl, but oftentimes the Rams, the Titans, they just settled for Jeff Fisher and they were okay with it. And so, so you can fall into that category. All right, is that what Texas? Is that what the Texans are? Are they are they good with that? But with the Raiders, I just don't know if they can accept that with John Gruden. And so I, he's got to feel the pressure. He's got to feel the heat a little bit. And then there are just some some other coaches where to me it's just obvious at this point, and I think fans would agree that. Adam Gase has no business being a head coach. Vic Fangio, even with Denver, great defensive coordinator, but at this point in his career, it just doesn't make sense that he's the the head coach in in Denver. I, I just don't I just don't understand that decision. Uh, I guess he's in his second season. Um, and then with Jacksonville with, with Doug Marone, I, I just what is Jacksonville doing? I, I'm just not sure the direction that they're heading. And back to my idea about the buy in. They haven't bought into Gardner Minshew, and I'm not sure why. Just go all in on Minshew; he's our guy. We're going to build around him. Let's go. But there just seems to be this indecisiveness with him a little bit, at least from my perception. Um, that's my perception. And so, uh, D- Doug Marone, though, the, the Jags oftentimes they just don't they don't always seem to get together. Like it doesn't make sense. They don't they don't click. Their defense is really bad, and 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 why are they that bad? So I, I don't like the direction that the Jaguars are heading. Even though they have a running back that I love in James Robinson. I like Gardner Minshew. I like their weapons at receiver. But it's, it's, there's just something about the Jaguars. So do they fall into the category, like I was saying, But of, of the Marvin Lewis and the Bill O'Briens, and you just kind of settle for Doug Marone? But I, I think that's what you're settling for. I, I, don't, I don't see him getting them over the hump. I really don't. And then the Miami Dolphins... Brian Flores, he's getting them over the hump. The Dolphins will go they will get over the hump with Brian Flores. He's a great coach. You can already see it. You can see how well they play. They made it tough for Seattle yesterday. He's the real deal. And so now, I want to bring up my hometown team, the Carolina Panthers. The coach that has been that was here from 2011 to 2019 was Ron Rivera. And he is one of the most likable guys. He was awesome in Charlotte just for the community you know did, did commercials and you see him at events and he he just was a just a a kind guy all around to the media everybody loved him there's nothing not to like about rivera when he was fired the outpouring of support for him was incredible but the idea was we all love rivera and when the team wasn't winning the blame oftentimes would get shifted to coordinators or cam newton or the gm and I just have to to now question with the Panthers starting off this season at two and two with a roster that was gutted. Matt Rule coming in to me is showing, it's it's early, but I am very optimistic. I am very encouraged by by the way the Panthers are playing without Christian McCaffrey, with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, with Joe Brady making the jump from a college offensive coordinator and I don't even think he had the full reins there to now come in here and, and call and plays and, and the offense looking great and getting guys like Robbie Anderson to to reemerge and Mike Davis to reemerge as somebody who, I know I did, just kind of discarded you know his abilities as a veteran running back is playing really well. Here's my question. Did the Panthers hang on to Ron Rivera too long and was he actually – the reason the Panthers were held back. Now they had the one 15 to one season Super Bowl run and that was incredible. And so that's what you hang your hat on. And I think with Jeff Fisher, remember years ago he took the Titans to the the Super Bowl. And so you just hang on to to him for a long time. Like, well he took his team to the Super Bowl. He must be great. And I think Doug Marone with the the Jaguars, they they went to the AFC West or the AFC championship game um, a few years ago. It's like, oh, look out. Dan Quinn in Atlanta. Oh, well, he took his team to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl and they lost. And then Adam Gase with uh he was coaching with uh, Peyton Manning. Well, Adam Gase, look what he did with Peyton Manning. So I think we we hang on to certain guys and and sometimes we like guys, or sometimes we like the the one big season that they had, and we give them the benefit of the doubt. And and I just have to wonder with Ron Rivera. Man, I wonder if the Panther. It's too late now, but I just wonder, man, did they they really hang on to him a little bit too long? Because his overall record was seventy six and sixty three. It's not bad. I mean, pretty. I mean, that's a pretty solid record. But he only had three winning seasons from twenty eleven to twenty nineteen. So to me, that's not great. That's not great when when you when you look at the if you want to be an elite franchise. Steelers, Ravens, Seahawks, Patriots, you want to get on that level, even the Colts. I mean, those teams have winning seasons regularly, whereas the, the Panthers only have three, and then Rivera had that longevity. It's just very interesting. So I, I've just, I just started today just, just unpacking, okay, what, what's going on with coaches, all these different dynamics at, at play, and thinking about Matt Rule coming in, and yesterday it hit me too, him and Cliff Kingsbury were going head-to-head. Neither one of them had a great record in college. Matt Rule was known for, for rebuilding programs and, and then moving on, and so there were some losses in there as part of the rebuild. But for him to come in right away and win two games with backups and a depleted, very young Panthers defense, I'm impressed. I, I really am. To beat the Chargers and Cardinals isn't a huge deal, but those are those are nice wins. And Arizona, they were they were all hyped, and I guess they won their first two games. Now they've dropped two in a row. And Cliff Kingsbury's another one of those guys where I, I think we we bought the hype of oh, the offense that he's gonna bring. And so some people were set on that. Like they they had their preconceived idea that. Oh, he's going to bring this dynamic offense. They're going to play fast, and they're going to be awesome. And you just have to wonder—he's eh, a little overrated. It's only been four weeks of this season, but I—I'm I, on the side. I, so I'm on the other side. I—I I, from when he came into the league, it was—I don't think he can. I don't think he can make the jump. I think I—I I just don't see how a a college coach who wasn't very successful, uh, winning wise, can make that jump. So that's what I'm kind of hanging on. So I've always got this negative view of the Cardinals. So that's where I come out on uh, with him. And then with, uh, with Cleveland, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but, but Kevin Stefanski, I think he's the right fit there. I, my, my initial thought was, ooh, Minnesota, eh, they didn't have that great of an offense, but he's bringing a similar philosophy where he just run the ball well, don't, put, don't expect your quarterback to do a ton, and you can find yourselves in games, which is really interesting. So let me, let me pause there, and, and I wanted to talk about quarterbacks with a similar idea, but, but let's move that to next week's show, and, and we'll talk about the, the preconceived ideas that we've had about Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, even Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. And have we already made up our mind on those players? And when they do bad or good, does it confirm our, our bias? So so we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more. But, but we focus on the coaches today. We'll focus on the quarterbacks next week and, and, and unpack those guys a little bit. But as we wrap up the show, today's Unpack This that, that I wrote for our weekday email devotional, uh, which you can subscribe to on unpackingit.com. Is all about the abundance of scoring taking place in the NFL and how it parallels the abundant life we have available to us that we can experience. What's crazy in the NFL is how week after week we are seeing some really high scoring games. You know, Cleveland, Cleveland Browns yesterday put up 49 points, the Cowboys scored 38. Carolina, Cincinnati, New Orleans, Seattle, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Minnesota, and Buffalo all scored over 30 points on their way to a win. And it's very interesting because we didn't have a full training camp, preseason football, yet offenses are really clicking uh, across the league. And so we're seeing scoring just way up, and the the record for for most scoring through four weeks in an NFL season uh, has already been beaten, and and you can imagine the scoring that will take place tonight uh, on Monday Night Football. And, and so, we've also seen different positions score, me, meaning wide receivers have been running the ball in, tight ends have been running the ball in, running backs catching the ball out of the backfield and scoring touchdowns. The, the Chiefs had an offensive lineman get into the box score the other day, and even defenses, they're not really stopping offenses, but if they get an interception or a fumble, a lot of times they're running it back. And so, we, we've seen 10 touchdowns scored by defenses so far this year. And so as fans and, and fantasy football owners especially, we, we love game days filled with big plays and overflowing opportunities with, with, with scoring. And, and so we're, we're watching teams just execute all these unique ways to, to, to get into the end zone, and it's been awesome. And so as we think about the NFL's uh, abundance uh, of scoring, I want to parallel it to the abundant life that Jesus talk about, talks about. Because while he was here on earth, he said, I came that they may have life, me and you, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so if you look at other translations, uh, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And so, different translations, you know, interpret uh, the the Bible in different ways. And so, the but the, the same message is there that that Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. And and so, the question becomes: Are we experiencing an abundant life filled with blessings, and are our lives overflowing with good things? And so, what's funny. Is Oftentimes we'll think the abundant life is all about money, success, power. That's what we're told is the abundant life. But there is so much more available to us that is actually lasting and satisfying. And so Jesus invites us to live with him both now and for eternity and offers us the rich and abundant life that is rooted in him and his purposes and is also others focused as we have open hands and open hearts. That's the abundant life. It's filled with blessings such as joy and peace and contentment and purpose and deep relationships. That's what abundance is, is all about. Even trials and challenges are viewed as opportunities to, quote-unquote, score more touchdowns that overflow in unique and unexpected ways. That's the perspective when we're living the abundant life. Even trials and challenges are just opportunities. And in in one of the, the, the Psalms says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Ultimately, a surrendered life is an abundant life because we've given our lives and hearts to Jesus, who is life. He tells us in the Bible, I am the way and the truth and the life. So, life, He is life. He came, He died, He rose again. He is life. He's come to give us life both now and for eternity. And so today, as we enjoy an abundance of scoring in the NFL, let's enjoy an abundance of blessings, living a full and overflowing life in and with Jesus. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. He is the life and, and, and life is found in him. So I hope that you found that life in him and continue to, to follow him and, and live that out each day. So as we wrap things up, I uh, remind you that that I'm Bryce, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news, that he died on the cross for my sin, he was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. I'd love to know your thoughts on today's show. You can shoot me an email, Bryce at UnpackingIt.com. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast.